You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Dumas on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Big Show continuing live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet basement, we have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Calgary Flames uh, fell 3-2 in the shootout last night to the Washington Capitals. They're currently 1-1-1 on the season. They'll continue this uh, Eastern road trip on Thursday when they take on the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, A couple off days for the boys to enjoy in the great city of Buffalo. Uh, We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We are joined by uh, the host of the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. You can also hear him on the Jeff Merrick Show, Matty Marchese. Matt, how are we doing this morning, buddy? I'm good. Uh, Have you ever been to Buffalo? Because I don't know that you'd be saying the great city of Buffalo if you've been there before. I haven't haven't been to Buffalo. I want to say great city because I I assume you've been, you've got connections with Buffalo. You're you're a Bills fan. I didn't want to belittle the the town of Buffalo because I don't don't like uh, crapping on places I've never been. Okay, here's what I'll say. It's all right. Um, I'm sure there are lovely places in Buffalo that I have not been to. Um, But yeah, it's... uh, it's it's okay. It's I, I don't know that I would go great city, but it's okay. It's really cool when the Bills are playing. Uh, it's a great Sabres town, but yeah, it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> it, it, it's certainly a place in upstate New York that that we can agree on. That, that. is true. Very um, true. Let's get your thoughts on on that Monday nighter last night. I feel like uh, the Cowboys and Chargers uh, they they wanted to keep shooting each other in the foot, but they somebody had to win that game. Dallas ultimately comes out on top. Uh, just another close loss for the LA Chargers. I mean they they have one close win in the last calendar year, and I believe it was a seventeen fourteen win over the Titans last year, and they were led by Malik Willis. Uh, what is it with the Chargers with all this talent with that quarterback? That that close games just they they just can't get it done. It's funny because you you'd think that in a game like that it would have been the defense that would have been the problem because it's yeah. been a problem all year. But that was this is a wild stat here. That was Justin Herbert's thirteenth interception in a one score game mm. in the fourth quarter since coming into the league in twenty twenty, and that's five more than any other quarterback in that same time period. So. As much as as much as we want to crap all over Brandon Staley and mm-hmm. the defense, and for good reason, because let's face it, it hasn't been very good since he got to LA with the Chargers. But Justin Herbert's not making big plays when it matters, and that seems to be a big problem. And it's something that we're not talking about. Listen, I had Justin Herbert ahead of Tua Tagovailoa when they both were drafted mm-hmm. in the in the Joe Burrow draft of 2020, and I thought that that was pretty astute. And now it looks like. Maybe Tua's the guy over Justin Herbert, and Miami did make the right pick. And what happened to Tua to make him a better quarterback? They got him a coach that makes him better. And I wonder if we're going to start having conversations about bringing in a guy who can make the quarterback better. You have invested a lot of money into Justin Herbert. He signed the big extension. They got to go out and get somebody. I I said it. I put it out on on the show. Uh, I guess it was about a month or month and a half ago um, that I was told that Jim Harbaugh had at least had some conversations with the Chargers about becoming their next head coach next year. Mm. Um, that would be the perfect fit for me. Jim Harbaugh going to work with a young quarterback or younger quarterback, and people say, "Well, the Chargers are cheap." 
Well, they just spent a lot of money on the quarterbacks. You better make good on that investment. Uh, bringing in a coach who can work with him is probably uh, near or at the top of that list. But, yes, they, they have a ton of talent, and yesterday they just didn't get it done. You know, missed fourth downs. Um, it, it, that's been kind of the ongoing trend here for the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, uh, getting Jim Harbaugh was certainly interesting. We all know what he's doing with Michigan right now. Has him primed for a, uh, a national championship run, but that would that would uh, that would totally make sense. Uh, going back to his old stomping grounds, uh, well, at least he was in San Diego, but they're still the Chargers. Uh, new, uh, the news on Anthony Richardson yesterday not not great. At least according to Jim Irsay, he's likely done for the year. Uh, where should the Colts go from here? Like, it feels like it's a good, solid team around around the quarterback, but. It's also a team that, hey, we could probably use another weapon like uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Does it, does it feel like the Colts could kind of go down the stumbling block here uh, now that they don't have Anthony Richardson, despite what Gardner Minshew can do? It's a really interesting conversation because I, I for one, did not have the Colts anywhere near the playoff conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people were kind of in the same yeah. boat because Anthony Richardson was going to struggle or, you know, you had to play Gardner Minshew at the beginning of the year. And Gardner Minshew has had his... It's almost like he's better as a relief pitcher, yeah. if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like he comes in late, he's got, and then and then he's able to kind of you know get the game going. But that's not what we saw this past week against the Jags. Here's the only thing that would lead me to believe that maybe the Colts believe that they can get in is that that AFC South is kind of wide open. Like I think the Titans are done, especially. I mean, I didn't think they were any good with Ryan Tannehill, but they're certainly mm-hmm. worse without him. Um, Houston's in the conversation now at 3-3 three and three going into the bye. And the Jags may be without Trevor Lawrence for, well, we don't know how long. Uh, they're keeping that very close to the vest ahead of Thursday's game against the Saints. I mean, I, I feel like I would be surprised if he played, but we don't. it's a, it's a knee sprain from what we've been told. But we don't know how long that's going to be because if you're the Jags, you have a one-game cushion yeah. over both the Colts and the Texans, and you probably feel a little bit better about your chances against the Colts without Anthony Richardson, but you've also gotten spanked by the Texans already. Mm -hmm. So the the Colts are in a very interesting position because I don't think anybody would fault them for trying to shore up their quarterback room, but I also don't think anybody would fault them in saying, okay, you know, Gardner Minshew's not the guy here. This was not the year that we were going to win, so we're going to keep our assets and we're going to go into the draft. Wherever we finish, we finish, and then we're going to kind of go from there and have Anthony Richardson healthy for enter. So if I were the Colts, I would be leaning into, let's just play out the yeah. string with Gardner Minshew here, and let's see what we do in the draft and in free agency. Uh, Sunday night out in Orchard Park, uh, the Bills uh, obviously had their offensive struggles uh, versus the Giants, didn't get anything going until the fourth quarter. Uh, defense was solid. I mean, yes, it's the Giants, but, uh, you know, they had the injuries and whatnot. But uh, is it the, solving, fixing the Bills as simple as going out and finding a true number two receiver to compliment Stephon Diggs? I mean, it, it would be part of it, but I also think, like, Gabe Davis after that fumble, I don't know if he got a if he had a yeah. target the rest of the game. Yeah. And for me, a guy that had just put up six catches for, I think, 90 yards or whatever the week before, had a good week, and even the week prior to that, like, Gabe Davis has really only had two weeks where he wasn't great or didn't catch a touchdown. Like, he's been pretty consistent, but they got to use him. Here's the other thing that we need to start having a, more of a conversation about. They drafted Dalton Kincaid in the first round. Mm-hmm. They 
they made a point of getting another pass catcher into this offense. So to me, what that says is they're fine with Gabe Davis, but the issue is they're not using Dalton Kincaid properly. Dalton Kincaid at Utah was a guy that they used down the field. Mm-hmm. He's more of a he's not your typical big block guy who you know gets open on slants. They used him down the field. I believe that at Utah, his average uh, depth of catch was, or yards per catch was like 13 yards. And in Buffalo, it's around like five or six. So they're using him entirely differently than what he was used at in college, which is where you saw him and where you saw him flourish. So I think it's more about getting him more involved in the offense and using that skill set rather than going out and getting another wide receiver. I think they have the pieces there. And you know what? I, 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 not to take away anything because the Bills were atrocious on offense, but I thought the Giants did a much better job throwing exotic blitzes at Josh Allen. And, and Wink Martindale did a really nice job against the Bills. He had them looking for answers all night. And, you know, the difference was, was the Bills started running the ball in the second half especially with James Cook, to really get that part of the game going, which ended up opening up the passing game. So I think there they, there still needs to be a little bit of a commitment to the run. We do not see a lot of design Josh Allen runs anymore, mm-hmm. which you've noticed. And, and I think there's got to be a little bit more of a balance because you don't need Josh Allen to throw the ball 40 times to be effective because if your run game is really good, then you can still be effective in the passing game by throwing 32 times. It just needs to open up, and that's what I think they struggled with against the Giants on Sunday. Uh, what uh, fan base should be a, a little bit more worried? I think we both agree that both these teams will will likely be around come January, but uh, they both have their first losses this weekend, the Eagles and the Niners, uh, two different ways of losing games, of course, but uh, who should be more worried about uh, their performances on Sunday? I think it's the Eagles, and... They, they're really banged up right now. Uh, they're missing guys in the secondary. Uh, Lane Johnson, their starting right tackle, who's an all-pro right tackle, is one of the best right tackles in football. We don't know how long he's going to be out. He went out very early in that game. And it's not because I don't think that the Eagles are talented enough to get past it, but they have a gauntlet of a schedule. They've got to play the Niners. They've got to play the Bills. I, I, I feel Dolphins like they play this Sunday. The the Dolphins, yeah, the Dolphins this Sunday. Like it is, it is really murderer's row of a schedule going forward. And if you're not healthy in that stretch, that's going to be a bit of an issue for you because their defense has already had numerous changes from last year. And then they went into that game without Jalen Carter, without Darius Slay, and not that, not that the Jets lit the world on fire because they didn't, but it was enough to just get by. And maybe they don't just get by if they have those guys in the lineup. Maybe Garrett Wilson doesn't have over 80 yards receiving this past week and because Darius Slay is primarily covering him. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of questions about the depth on this Eagles defense. That was to begin with and now with all these injuries, you're really starting to have thoughts about, well, this may not be the same stout defense that we saw get to the the Super Bowl last year, and they may have to figure out a way to score a little bit more on offense in order to keep themselves in games. 
Eight of their next nine games come against playoff teams from last year, and that one game that isn't is a trip to Washington, and we know how the Commanders play the Eagles. So, yeah, they did stack the victories early, but uh, that schedule coming up is going to prove the Eagles a lot. We're talking with uh, Matty Marchese, host of the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Can the Are, are the Lions a Super Bowl team? Oh, they're starting to convince me that they are. <laughs> I had them getting to the NFC Championship game. I thought that they were going to lose to the, the Niners mm-hmm. in the NFC Championship game. That was my prediction before the season started. People thought I was crazy. The defense is vastly improved. Um, and Jared Goff looks like a winner. Yeah, man. Like Jared Goff is putting himself in the conversation to be paid $50-plus million a year. And if we had had that conversation two and a half or three years ago, we would have said, yeah, okay, sure, man, whatever. But he looks the part, and he's doing it with a really good rookie tight end. He's doing it with one of the best receivers in football. And other than that, like, yes, the running game has been good. They're going to be tested here. Mm -hmm. I think Jameer Gibbs is coming back. Uh, It sounds like he was close to playing this weekend, but they decided to hold him out. David Montgomery is going to miss some time with the rib injury. They've got depth at the position with Gibbs, of course. Um, We're going to see a mix of Craig Reynolds in there as well. But it's going to be very interesting to see how they manage going forward. Their run defense has been – I remember when I was doing the fantasy show, and every week it was like, oh, who are the Lions playing play that running back? I don't (laughs) care if it's a waiver wire guy. Play that guy against the Lions. And now they have one of, statistically, the best run defenses in football. Not only that, they are one of the best all-around defenses in football. To allow, you know, I think it was 251 total yards against the Bucks on the road and the Bucks coming off of the bye, yeah. that's a really impressive performance. I don't care what you think about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their offense because it had been fine up until that point. And that, to me, was kind of a statement win by the Lions and saying, okay, we're not going anywhere. Here's the other thing. They have the benefit of playing in a division that Mm -hmm. right now isn't very good. Uh, The Bears stink. They probably stink a lot more without Justin Fields. Uh, The Vikings are 2-4, and but they're no good, and they don't have Justin Jefferson. And we have no idea what the Packers are. Maybe they're a little bit better coming out of the bye. But they're coming out of the bye having lost two in a row. Their offense is one of the worst Mm -hmm. offenses statistically in the first quarter. Like, they're averaging, I believe, only the Giants have averaged less points in the first half of games this year. Even the Patriots have more first-half points on average than the Packers do at this point. So I I think that the the Lions are are in a really good position. They're going to run away with that division. They're going to end up with 13 or 14 wins. Like over their last 17 games, over the court, you know, whatever would be a full NFL season, they're 13 and four. And Jared Goff has 29 touchdowns and four interceptions in that time. Like those are elite Mm -hmm. MVP type numbers. And so I, I think that they're absolutely in the conversation. And I wonder if they are a sneaky team that might go and try and add maybe another playmaker on the outside. Because Josh Reynolds has been decent. Jamison Williams had the touchdown catch. But he's kind of been unreliable because, well, he hasn't been healthy or he's gambling on football. So neither of those things work. I do wonder if they make a push for a guy. Like, I put this out there. I said it, and I'll say it again. I wonder if the Raiders start to falter Mm. if they make a call for Devontae Adams. 
Ooh, that would be spicy for sure. Lions, uh, they got a tough one this week. They're into Baltimore, but I'm just looking at the schedule ahead. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a pretty good pretty good slate for Detroit. Like if they can stay healthy, man, that, that 13 wins is not out of the question for sure. Uh, the could, you, could you not see them as the top? Like they could be the second seed in the totally NFC could see that be, because of the schedule that the Eagles have. Exactly, like, like the Eagles' schedule terrifies me, and I haven't really looked at the Niners. I mean, the Niners got a a semi tough one on Monday night going into Minnesota, but it it, it does like Detroit. It feels like they could totally line this thing up and be a uh, a challenger for that bye. Yeah, I think that they're absolutely in that conversation. I w- I would be stunned if they did not win 13 games this year. Yeah, no, me too. Uh, Bengals, uh, they've been playing better of late. Two in a row, get to the bye at three and three. Joe Burrow seems to be a little bit healthier now. That defense showed up this week, uh, finally again to where it was last year. Uh, should they be the favorites in the AFC North? Oh, boy. I'm still not even sure because, the you know, the offense this past week was just so bad. Mm-hmm. Like they had 181 total yards. Uh, they were... Really, the Seahawks kind of handed them that game. The Seahawks had 10 points in five red zone trips. So a very good job by the Bengals defense. Geno Smith had a red zone interception. Like They, they were bend, don't break. The Seahawks had almost 400 total yards in that game. I think it was 381. But the, the Bengals defense has really been kind of the underappreciated story of this season, especially in that division, because they've been holding this team when the offense hasn't been able to carry the water. And that, to me, is a, a big thing going forward because they go into the bye, they got back to 3-3, three and three, which is really important, and hopefully Joe Burrow gets healthy. Hopefully you get a much healthier T. Higgins. And then you can start looking forward. Their schedule, not great coming out of the bye. Mm. They play the Niners, they play the Bills. Like Those are two tough games. So there is a chance that we could see the Bengals at 3-5 and five, coming out of the bye. Now, we could also see them at 5-3 and three or 4-4, four and four, but there is a legitimate chance that they could be 3-5, and five, and then we're having a different conversation. Yeah, totally. I had Baltimore winning the division. I still think Baltimore is going to win the division. They have the, you know, quote-unquote easier schedule. Their defense has been really good. Offensively, they've been able to do things that they haven't been able to do in the past. You know, the addition of Zay Flowers has made a big difference for that offense. I'm curious to see what the Ravens do at running back. I think that they're okay with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, but I don't think that that's enough. Like, if you think that you're a legit contender, you got to go out and you got to make a deal. And we're only, what, a couple of weeks away from the trade deadline. Teams are going to have to start, you know, kind of put up or shut up. And I wonder if the Ravens are in that conversation as it goes for uh, running back. Now, you could make the argument that they should go out and try and get a receiver because – Odell Beckham Jr., outside of, like, one big catch, has been largely invisible. Mm-hmm. The same thing could be said for Rashad Bateman. And Mark Andrews has had kind of an up-and-down year here. So if they're fine at running back, I can't imagine that they're fine at wide receiver. And it's funny to say that. They're 4-2. and two. They lead that division, and they have some warts here, much like all the teams in the, in the AFC yeah. North do. But they're a team that it feels like with one or two additions, could really kind of distance themselves in that division. Like I, I, the Ravens are a fascinating group, and I think we, we had this conversation on our show earlier this week. I, I, 
I think if, if Baltimore does add, and if they can just get things right, that they could be a team that could potentially go into Arrowhead and knock off uh, the Chiefs in a playoff game. Do you agree? Am I out to lunch on that? Are the Ravens can be that scary team if things break the right way and they could be that team that could represent the AFC? I think there are a lot of teams that could go into Arrowhead right now yeah. and win. And, and, and partly because... You know the the Chiefs are the Chiefs are five and one. They may be the most unimpressive <laughs> five and one yep. that I've seen. The offense hasn't is a shadow of itself. Mm-hmm. Even from last year, like we can all say, oh, but Ty, they lost Tyreek Hill last year. Whatever. Yes, they did, but the offense was still impressive last mm-hmm. year. Outside of the game against the Bears, exactly. in which they demolished them, they haven't had really impressive wins. They lost by one to the, the Lions on opening night. Yep. They lost by th- they, they won by three against the Jets, and maybe the Jets are better than we thought, but they won by three against the Jets. They won by a touchdown against a bad Vikings team. Like, they were lucky in that one. These are all close games. They were, yes. Well, there were three flags that should have been thrown on the play, and not one was thrown, but I digress. Yeah. So they've been, they've been a largely unimpressive five and one, and I think that when they start to play better competition, which happens basically in the second half of the schedule, we're going to see what the Chiefs are. And, and that's why I think, like, the AFC really is a toss-up. As much as we think, I think the NFC, I think three teams have kind of put themselves in the conversation of we are the three best teams. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the Niners, it's the Eagles, and it's the Lions. After that, everything is wide open. Yeah. In the AFC, I don't know what to think because, you know, the Bills, they've had – three really impressive wins, and then they've had, you know, a couple of ugly losses. Um, the Chiefs, uninspiring through six games. The Ravens, as much as we like to believe that they're a good team, they also, uh, they've also put up a dud against Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and they've lost to the Steelers in a bad game. So I, I feel like the AFC, for as strong as it is with the teams it has, I don't know that there is a – you know, clear favorite as of right now. People are going to say, oh, it's still the Chiefs, blah, blah, blah. I'm still not convinced. Their defense has been really good. But what happens when their offense has to go head-to-head with another good offense and put pressure on that defense? Then we're really going to see what the Chiefs are in 2023. Yeah, Chiefs and Dolphins in Frankfurt in a couple weeks. That's going to be fun uh, for sure. Uh, is is this the off season where Robert Kraft has that difficult conversation with Bill Belichick? I think he's certainly having that difficult conversation internally in his own head right now. Uh, I don't see how you don't, and I don't think it's going to be a situation where Robert Kraft fires, quote-unquote, Bill Belichick. I think it's going to be Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick come to a mutual agreement for the, the legacy of Bill Belichick. Now, there are coaches that sometimes the game passes them by because they are just too stubborn. You could say that about Sean Payton. You could say that about Bill Belichick. You could say, maybe even to an extent, you could say that about Mike Tomlin, who keeps throwing Matt Canada a bone and nobody gets it. But I do wonder if they do have that conversation because, or at least, at least take away the GM responsibilities from Bill Belichick. That's like having the guy who you don't really trust with the nuclear codes, okay? Mm-hmm. Because at this point, it is if, if Bill Belichick is a Hall of Fame coach, which he is, he is a Hall of Shame GM. Some of the decisions that he's made to give guys money has been horrible. You know, we talk about all the money they gave to Hunter Henry, all the money they gave to Jonu Smith. What about the draft pick? 
they have not had a first-round pick that has signed uh, a second contract with them since I think it was uh, Donta Hightower, and that was like in 2014 or 2015, something like that. It's been a while. 12, 2012 for Hightower. 2012, there you go. So since he was drafted, they have not had a guy who has gotten a second contract as a first-round pick. Yep. I'm sorry, but eventually that's going to run out. And when you don't have Tom Brady as your quarterback and Dante Scarnecchia as your offensive line coach to cover up a lot of your issues, that's going to be a problem. The defense has been put in bad positions this year. They haven't been elite. I know they're missing Christian Gonzalez and Matthew Judon, but the offense has been atrocious. And I don't know that that is all on Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones. I think a bunch of it is. But Mac Jones wasn't this bad last year, and he certainly wasn't this bad two years ago. Nope. So what's happened? There's a, a there's no talent on the offensive side of the ball outside of call it Ramondre Stevenson. After that, it's a it's garbage, yeah. and the offensive line can't keep up. And so I, I don't put all of that on those two guys, but I do put a lot of that on Bill Belichick, mm-hmm. the GM thinking that he's smarter than everybody. They went out and signed Juju Smith-Schuster, and they let Jacoby Myers walk. And, wow, look at the year that Jacoby Myers is having with the Raiders. Hmm, go figure. So I think that they're going to have that conversation. Somebody said to me, I wonder if Bill Belichick leaves New England and goes somewhere else. But I just really can't envision Bill Belichick leaving to go elsewhere. I just, I just can't see it. Yeah, no, me neither. It feels like uh, he'd want too much in that. He'd want uh, maybe the GM. Maybe if he wanted to just be a head coach, who knows? But uh, the GM thing, the GM hat there in New England without Tom Brady, it is not working. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, have a have a good rest of your day. Have a good show today, and we'll we'll do this again very soon. Thanks, man. Anytime. All righty, there you go. There's Matt Marchese, uh, host of the Fan Checkdown. You also hear him on the, the Jeff Merrick Show from time to time. You can find them on the Sportsnet Radio Network. That'll be coming your way at noon. Around the corner, we'll uh, play some stamps audio from practice yesterday. Dave Dickinson met with the media as well. Uh, our Matty Rose had a one-on-one with Floyd Allen, scored his first CFL touchdown this past weekend as well in the Stamps' big 24-19 to uh, 19 win, or 26-19 win over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders keep their playoff hopes alive. And uh, we also might hear some Flames audio. That's next as uh, Big Show Hour 4 continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the Big Show. Closing things down here about 15 minutes or so to go in the program. Uh, game two of the NLCS will uh, be on Sportsnet this evening as the Arizona Diamondbacks look to even up their series with the Philadelphia Phillies. It'll be Merrill Kelly up against Aaron Nola. Nola's 2-0 this postseason. Looking real good. 142 ERA, 12 strikeouts. Should be a good one tonight at the Citizens Bank Park in South Philadelphia as the Phillies look to go up 2-0. Uh, try to equal what the Rangers did to the Houston Astros. Flames also were in action last night. They fell 3-2 in the shootout to the Washington Capitals. Got it to a nice 2-0 start. Looking good right out the gate there. Uh, out shooting them like 3-1 at one point. It was Capitals didn't get their first shot until like the 7-minute mark. Everything was trending left. in the right direction. Everything was trending right. And uh, yeah, I get it. Like George mentioned earlier, it did, it did like, oh, this felt like last year a little bit. Uh, it's early. He'll take a point on an East again, an Eastern team. On this road trip, I know it's just the first point. There's still three more games to go. Uh, Buffalo on Thursday, then Columbus on Friday, and then a Sunday matinee at the Little Caesars in Detroit before they come home to take on 
the New York Rangers, and then it's like two home games, yeah. and then boom, right up to Edmonton uh, for Heritage Classic. So it's uh, it's it's a goat time here for the for the Calgary Flames. Uh, before we hear from the Calgary Flames, uh, actually, we'll play some Flames audio first here. Uh, Ryan Huska uh, is uh, was uh, he spoke to the media after yesterday's loss. He spoke to the media. I want to get a sense of what the coach thought uh, of yesterday's performance because I thought it was an okay game. I think, you know, you'll take, you bring that effort. There's definitely some positives yeah, you, you take bring, out of you that. Bring Markstrom that effort. still looked good. Exactly. You know, there, there were some things that, you know, you definitely need to close better. That's, you know, me stating the obvious, but mm-hmm. it, it, it is tough to kind of start a season on the road, I, I would think. Um, Steinberg said before we headed out uh, on this road trip, he'd be happy with a record of one, two, and two. Where would you kind of Fall on one, that. two, and two. So that's all. That's that's four points. Yeah, four points in five games. I don't know I've always been a like uh, I want more points than games played on a road trip mm-hmm. type thing. So yeah, you'd like to probably get two more wins to close this thing out yeah. at least, or at least. Well, I guess you'd have to go three wins to close this thing out to get more points. But but the last two you definitely think should be. Yeah, Columbus and Detroit should be games. Yeah, Columbus you should, is a must-win game. Right? Uh, even even last year we talked about it yeah. where. The Flames just kind of played down to their competition yep. at times. And the Columbus beat them, I believe, there last year. Yeah, and in the Johnny Gaudreau return. Yeah. And they kind of skated us right out of the rink. Yeah, so. yeah man, it's 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 going to be big. It's uh, going to be big to see what they can bring on. Buffalo's a, a, a fun team to watch for sure. I know they didn't uh, play all that well. Uh, we'll see what happens tonight. And their Buffalo's opener didn't go that well. They got t- uh, Tampa Bay tonight. Uh, but here's uh, head coach Ryan Huska game after yesterday's defeat. Coach, I, uh, I'm sure you would have liked the second point, but uh, what did you make of your group's work here tonight? I thought we had a, it was a good night. I mean, it, for a road game, this is a, a pretty good one for us. And I would say when you look at our three games, we've gotten better every game. And that's what we want to keep seeing. So the way we played tonight is the way we'd like to continue to play. A number of guys, I, I maybe yourself included this morning, talked about starts. Um, you know, you had to have been pleased with that type of first period. Yeah, for sure. Um, I thought we skated and I thought we did a good job of managing the puck better than what we have in the first couple games. So it's a step in the right direction for us for sure. Yes, we would have wanted the extra point, no doubt. And that at the end of the day is what it's all about, but um, we're getting there. I asked you last game if you felt like that one got away from you. Different game yeah. completely, but yeah. did you feel like this one got away from you? No. I, well, no, I don't. I mean, this is... You're on the road, you know, there's going to be a little bit of momentum shift from time to time. And I thought we stayed with it tonight where in Pittsburgh we didn't. Um, uh, you'd like the power play to capitalize on one of the chances late in the game for sure. Um, but I thought you know, over time our penalty kill stood up for us in, in the situation you don't want to put yourself in. But I don't feel like we, we gave this one up tonight, no. You, yeah, power play goal in each game so far. I mean, I, I'm sure you kind of look at those ones in the third. I mean, how do you kind of view where it's at right now when, when you're seeing some production, but maybe just the timing? Of it well, it is the timing, right? We talked about that earlier in the year that there's certain times of a game where you need the power play to generate momentum for you and, and generate some good chances, and that was a time for them to, to take over. So um, they're capable of it. They just didn't get the job done tonight. Not to single one player out performance tonight, but I'm curious because we asked you early in the season about Anniversary and what you want to see from him this year. Um, is he kind of getting to that level that you were hoping for with all the physical tools you mentioned? Yeah, I, I mean, there's still a ways to go. I, I mean, you know, we started him at, on the fourth line in the middle. Um, you know, he, he's just got to, he's got to challenge himself a lot of times too to make sure he's consistent because as we mentioned, like the size that he has and the way he can protect a puck, um, he can do a lot of things really well. So sometimes it's up to the player in regards to how good they actually want to be. 
is that the, that first period the way you described it with speed and, and second chances? I mean, is that is that kind of when when your team's at its best, what it'll look like or what it could look like? Um, that's yeah. I mean, it's about taking away time and space, and it's about not giving much room to your um, opponent and trying to make them give the puck back to you. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So I felt we did a good job in the first period uh, controlling most of the play, um, just weren't able to get it finished tonight. What did you see as the difference in that second period when they were able to tie it? Um, oh, boy, the difference. I don't know. They scored a couple of goals. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... They're, they've got some guys that can shoot, the guys that can score. Uh, unfortunately, on their first goal that they got, we had a chance back door that we missed a tap in. Um, and sometimes that's the way it works. They come back down the other end and they score. And, um, it, it happens sometimes. Better every game. That's uh, what the coach thinks. And I think that's uh, from, from afar. I think that's agree. Like, you, you didn't like game one. Yeah. You won, but it wasn't a great effort. Uh, game two, great start. And maybe you just got a little bit shell-shocked once the pens came out, started that period, boom, 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 you fell behind. It's like, oh, God, now what? And then, you know, I thought last night showed some good fight back. Uh, it's too bad they couldn't click on the power play, and I think the power play will get there. It's still ironing out some some of the kinks, and they still managed to get a goal again off that Even power play. The power play has had some, like, kinks to it and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The flashes that we've seen, yeah. I, would, I would say that yeah. those little flashes in the pen are already looked- better than what we saw from it. Almost at all last it, season. It looked a lot better than an experienced one in that Washington has to offer. Yeah. Like, oh, that's that's a power play group that's been together for a while. You obviously got Ovechkin in his office setting up there. And I should say that for the Flames in this new real work power play under Mark Savard with uh, with a with a, the whole new look to it. it it's been it's looked all right. And it's only three games. The fact um, that we've seen flashes in, a, in and of itself should yeah. be a positive because yeah. not only are we under a new system, like we're still trying to really mm-hmm. find that that combo for mm-hmm. Huberto and yeah. and the other guys are part of that unit. So yeah. it's, things are progressing, but there's still stuff you need to iron out. You you have a good trigger man, and obviously Matt and Coronado, you want to see some more. I think, I think like scoring is still going to be uh, tough to come by, I feel like, yeah. with this group, uh, at least to start here. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, let's hear uh, from uh, the captain, Michael Backlund, uh, postgame on, on his uh, view uh, from the, uh, the defeat in D.C. Michael, maybe just kind of take me through this game. I mean, it, it obviously had some back and forth to it at the first, and then uh, they answered with the two in the second, but that third same seemed pretty pretty even and balanced. What did you take out of it? Yeah, no, I thought we were the better team for most of the game, Found five. Um, I think uh, it was our best game so far this year. From um, Like, everyone chipped in and played well, and uh, I thought we created a lot of chances. And, um, yeah, they, you know, they got a couple quick goals there in the second, and other than that, I thought we were the better team, and... Um, so yeah, it's a, you know, we'll take the point, uh, again, it's a process, uh, but it's, you know, we're trying in the right direction. We're playing some better hockey. Uh, I mean, Dylan just kind of explain, I mean, that first period, you know, from start to finish it, when, when you guys are at your best, is that kind of what it looks like in terms of creating second chances and, and turnovers in the offensive zone? Yeah, for sure. We talked lots about playing without the puck and we want to be aggressive and force teams, uh, to make turnovers and make mistake and stay with it for a full 16 where teams down and. Um, I think we did it tonight. Uh, just couldn't find a winner. Some building blocks, though, as you as you said, when you kind of look ahead, lots to take away from this one. Yeah, uh, thought it was a final five, really good game from us. Um, you know, power play, we score one, but we got two looks when it's a tie game in the third. We want to do better there, uh, create more, and and score. Um, other than that, I thought we did a good job tonight. Yeah, that was. Uh... 
pretty, uh, pretty. Uh, I think what Michael Backlund said was what most Flames fans are probably thinking. It was, is their best game, and I know it was just you know you want the two points to show yeah. for for that type of effort. But you know sometimes it just doesn't go your way. It's a bad luck type sport like that, and uh, you know you, you bring that effort uh, most nights. I know you, you said that last year. Maybe the effort was there on most nights, but maybe it just didn't show in the results. But you bring that type of effort. Most nights, you're going to come away with a win. I, I would agree with that. I, I don't think effort's ever really an issue. No, not with this group. With, I, I don't think so. So I, I don't know what it is specifically that just makes them kind of take their foot off the gas when it for comes a to the third period. Just five, Feels like one five minute gaps, intervals. Yeah. They just like they just fall asleep a little bit, and it's like, okay, well, what went wrong in here? What, what, what? It was like you, you missed the goal, like like yeah. the the one that led to the Milano uh, Phillips revenge goal. You you had a chance there to to go up three nothing. Yeah, just like right on the doorstep right there. And right there, you win the game. Yep. You win the game with that goal because guarantee you Phillips isn't scoring off yep. of that. Well, so yeah, yeah. Is that just finding these little little things and it's getting there and it's it's early days. It's early days. They're working out the game because we didn't we didn't think they had like yeah, training camp was all right, but the preseason was maybe a little bit disjointed figuring things out. And I think that's carrying over. I, I brought it up last week that maybe they can use this road trip as a as maybe of a de, a de facto training camp to kind of work things out. Um, just as they they're away from the dome, just just to figure out some things. So I think we're we're starting to see those things get put together. And now I think just, that is a good point. Like once you results. once you come back to your your building, you you should be in your routine, and, and you should have like everything have, ironed you'd out. You'd have like two three weeks under you. Have two weeks at least under you of playing. Uh, by the time they get back here, and that'll be a good Rangers group coming into the building on on next Tuesday. But for right now, just focus on these next three. They're they're teams you should beat. Uh, on Buffalo's any given be a test. Buffalo will be a test. I know a lot of people are high on the Sabres this year. Uh, Columbus, obviously, uh, with uh, with what they have going on. Pascal Vincent now the head coach. Obviously, yeah. Johnny Goudreau is there. They've got a young rookie in Adam Fantilli. It's a young group. And then Detroit, probably similar more to Buffalo as that team knocking on the door, waiting to make that next next step. So And playing a little bit above expectations right now. Yeah. Detroit. Yeah. Like so, the, they're getting good goaltending. I think Andrew Kopp is, is finally fitting in there well. I think Detroit... Could be a team that will be better than last year. So this tricky three games here. It's not, they should win these games. If you're looking on paper, there should uh-huh. be games the Flames should be able to get some points in. But uh, it is, it is, these are three tricky teams that uh, they, the Flames have to bring that effort that they did against the Capitals to the next three. The toughest thing with, with this Flames team to me right now is, like you said, these are super tricky games. And, and with with the Flames, it feels like, like, like they, they should be able to win, but nothing is going to come easy for them nope. right now. They, they have so many little, little, tiny, like, mm-hmm. you know, should be like details that you should already have almost kind of ironed out mm-hmm. now that we're a week or so into the season. But like George says, it, it feels a lot similar to what we saw last year. I'm still trying to be cautiously optimistic, mm-hmm. but from, from what I've seen, this, this group still has a lot to prove and that, that they're, even capable of getting over of a lot of the kinks that were in their game last season. A bad road trip here uh, would definitely uh, sound the alarms around this place and around the league. If they are unable, if they can't come away with, with much out of this road trip, like they just come away with a a point or maybe another point, two points on this five game roadie that that's not good, but let's not think about that yet. It's only game three. Uh, They'll play game four of their 82 game slate on Thursday 
couple days off to in, uh, enjoy whatever Buffalo has to offer. And uh, we'll, we'll play this conversation. Uh, Matthew Phillips, he got his first uh, NHL goal last night uh, from Sonny Milano on a two-on-one, and he spoke to the media post-game uh, following their win. Matt, how important was that uh, second period after the game started? Uh, yeah, well, first and foremost, uh, just like to send my thoughts to the Snow family back in uh, Calgary. It's pretty um, pretty heavy thing, and everyone involved. Uh, it's it's a difficult thing, but they're making the most of it. So, just sending my thoughts there. But um, you could repeat that question. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, after the way the game started. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought we we obviously kind of got outplayed there in the first, and Kemp's was great, and uh, we kind of just got back to our game and put a little more pressure on them, used our speed a little bit better, and uh, to get a couple there and and tie the game up and kind of swung the momentum for us and kind of carried that into the third. First goals are always special, but how much more sweet is it to do it against your former team? Uh, feels pretty good. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I, I guess this game wasn't about revenge for you. I think you said that, but just what, what, you know, what, do, you, what do you think you showed tonight to maybe whoever you want to show it to? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always trying to play my best every single game, and tonight was no different. I mean, obviously, it's, it's kind of funny that we ended up playing them the second game of the season, and it kind of happened pretty quick. But, um, yeah, it was great, and uh, I'm very lucky to play with some awesome players and see the pass Sunny made I just kind of had to bury it so it's, yeah. anything go through your mind when you when you score the first goal or while you're sitting on the bench afterwards? uh yeah a lot actually it's uh it's a pretty cool moment and something that I've done in my head about a million times so to actually do it is uh it it feels pretty awesome the golf game seemed to help out it was a bit of a chip yeah I, I guess so yeah yeah it's about a 60 degree at least <laughs> Nice to also get the assist and help tie it up a couple minutes later. Yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes uh, I find, especially in second periods with long change, momentum can be an even bigger factor. And uh, Mikey made a great play there to pull and shoot, so it's nice to tie that up. What did it mean to you to have your dad in the house to see that tonight, too? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's uh, a long way from home here, and um, anytime he can watch or, or any family, it's pretty special. So I'm sure uh, he's going to remember it for sure. Could you ever wrap that? Not only would you get your first goal against your home team, you just the first star of the game as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Something I'll I'll probably have to reflect on tomorrow and tonight a little bit. But um, yeah, I don't have many words. It's just a pretty awesome feeling. Did any of your former teammates and you exchange any words of friendly words on the ice? Or? Uh, tonight was all business. I said hi to a few guys yesterday at the practice rink, and I'll probably try to go say a quick hello after. Why is your line clicking so so well right now? What is it about you? I mean, well, those two are um, extremely skilled. And, uh, I mean, I, I don't think any of us are the fastest or necessarily the strongest guys. But I think we all think the game in a, in a similar way. And um, I, I couldn't be in a better position playing with them. And they've helped me a lot. What are you going to do with the puck? I don't know yet. They took it away already. So maybe it's getting framed or something. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> you all thought it was inevitable you were going to score tonight, did you? Uh, I... I like to picture myself scoring every night, so uh, <laughs> I guess it just happened tonight. <laughs> awesome. Did you know, like, once it was on the tape that I was going to go in? Uh, I wasn't sure. I was just like, please come to me, please come to me. And, yeah, it was a pretty unbelievable pass, so it was awesome. And you probably could have had a hat trick. You had to get a couple more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the way the game goes sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you just got to keep whacking away sometimes. Well, Matthew, we knew it was going to happen up here. That's for sure. We knew, yeah. you, were, we knew you were going to score. Uh, last night, two points in uh, Matthew Phillips' uh, first game against the Calgary Flames, his first NHL 
goal as well. So congrats to him. It's off. He's off the schneid there, and uh, hopefully he has uh, has a really good career down there in uh, Washington. Uh, There you go. There's some audio from uh, last night's game. Uh, Flames back on the road uh, on Thursday. They're in Buffalo to take on the Sabres as this road trip continues. Uh, We'll be all over it on Thursday, but for now, a couple off days uh, to enjoy and just rest and recoup, and uh, we're back at it. Again, in a couple days. I want to thank everybody involved in today's show. Uh, Nick Kiprios, Adnan Verk, Dennis Bernstein, and Matt Marchese. All those interviews are up on their Spotify, Google, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, I want to thank GVP. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's doing all right. He's got a, he's got a bummed voice. He's yeah, not, a bit of a cold. A bit man. of a cold. We're all, we all feel all cold. Fighting it, right it's now. flu season, everybody. Yeah. So uh, it's not great. Remember to wash your hands and uh, sneeze into your sleeve out there. Uh, stay safe. It's rainy. Uh, it's cool. Hopefully the sun comes out later. Uh, Jeff Merrick's show is next. Uh, they'll kick off every show like they do always with Elliot Friedman. Then Jonathan Davis will join the program. Uh, PLD's return to Winnipeg this evening. That should be fun. Uh, Doug McLean, he's uh, he's got a new book, uh, author of Draft Day. He'll join the show at 11.05. And then Thomas Hickey, uh, former Islander defenseman, now studio analyst, uh, will join the program to talk a little Isles hockey. That's next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.